to get things started tonight, Sun Devil football is about to get things started as Coach Herm Edwards' club will hit the field tomorrow morning for the first of its 20 preseason practices leading up to the coronavirus-delayed start of the 2020 football season, Saturday, November 7th, when ASU visits the USC Trojans. Here with me tonight to help preview the 2020 Sun Devil team and discuss the state of ASU and Pac-12 football in these extraordinary times is a gentleman who's pretty darn extraordinary at his craft, in my opinion. He covers Arizona State football and men's basketball for the terrific subscription-based sports website, The Athletic. He formerly was the ASU football and hoops beat writer for the Arizona Republic and AZ Central and was named the 2019 Arizona Sports Writer of the Year by the National Sports Media Association. Simply put, he is one of the best and most dedicated sports writers I've known in my 47 years in this biz. He's been a frequent guest on our ASU football and basketball pregame shows, and he's our guest here tonight on the Maroon Monsoon. It's a pleasure to welcome my buddy Doug Howler to the show. First of all, Doug, I ask every guest when they come on, how's your health been? How's the health of your wife and three daughters been through this pandemic? Well, hi, Tim. Uh, that was quite the introduction. Thank you. Uh, we're, we're doing well. We, we did have a, a scare a few weeks ago. Um, my daughter was around someone uh, who tested positive, so we had to quarantine, uh, kind of self-isolate for a while and get tested and all that, but we came out of that fine. So, um, you know, we're doing well. Difficult times to be sure, but... Uh, we're, we're holding up just fine. That's great to hear. You know, for the longest time during the last seven months, I wondered if we would even see college football or Arizona State football played at all this calendar year because of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, here we are eight days into the month of October, and the college football season is already underway in a lot of the country and will soon get underway here in the West Coast with the Pac-12 ready to saddle up and get its season started a month from now and the Sun Devils ready to get back on the practice field tomorrow. How would you capsule or summarize what these past few months have been like for football fans, for those of us who love and cover the game, and the journey that the Pac-12 has taken to get to this point? It's definitely been chaotic. Uh, That would be one word that I would use. Uh, A lot of false starts. I think I've done three schedule breakdowns now, made three different predictions on how Arizona State will do this fall. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, I know the PAC 12 has taken a lot of blame for how this is all unfolded, uh, at the beginning. Um, you know, they made it clear and they were very transparent to him about what, why they made the decision to postpone the fall season. Um, and if you remember right, when the big 10 made their decision, they got a lot of heat for not being as transparent. Uh, but you know, there were, <laughs> as the testing, the rapid testing became available. I think that, that changed a little bit. And of course, you know, the big 10 deciding to play the PAC 12 didn't want to be the last major conference sitting out. Uh, so it, it took a while and maybe a different route to get to the starting point, but man, I'm just happy that we're finally at the starting point. And, and I guess that's a little premature. We're not there yet, but you know, it seems like we're going to get there. <laughs> I mean, it really seems like. I think the last night there was a schedule, just conference only. You know, there's still a lot of skepticism about whether we'd actually see football. Everybody I talk to right now is pretty confident. I think a lot of people have praised the Pac-12 for taking its cautious, conservative approach uh, 
in executing its startup plan. It's It's been a different dynamic uh, with the coronavirus out here on the West Coast. And I think that's been reflected in uh, the way the Pac-12 has proceeded through this. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the California schools just got state uh, clearance uh, within the past week and then just got local, uh, you know, those those restrictions lifted to where they can get on the field with, you know, in cohorts of 75 players uh, just today. Colorado uh, also same boat. I mean, they got shut down by their local um, health officials um, and now they're they're back. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there have been obstacles in the Pac-12 footprint that other conferences, other places around the country have not um, had to deal with. So, yeah, and, you know, it's not like this has been smooth sailing, I mean, for any team or for any league. Uh, you know, the NBA did pretty well, but they had the bubble environment. Major League Baseball had problems. The NFL is now having problems. You know, and we've seen already, you know, more than 20 games disrupted in college football across the country. We've seen head coaches come down with this virus. It's, you know, it's just a week by week thing, as Herm Edwards has said. And, you know, he has pointed out all along that, you know, maybe we get to seven games, maybe we don't, but, you know, we're going to try our best to get there. That is the hope and plan that they will get to a seven game schedule this fall. If they do, Doug, do you think that will be enough of a sample size to get a worthy Pac-12 team or maybe even teams, plural, to be considered for the college football playoff at year's end? I think it'll be difficult. Um, it, it, a lot, I think, will depend on, you know, what happens elsewhere across the country. Uh, you know, the Big 12 has kind of struggled a little bit out of the gate. You know, if the Big 10 struggles, maybe, um, you know, how many games do they have postponed or canceled altogether? But I do think as a starting point, you know, for a Pac-12 team to be considered, obviously they're going to have to run the table. But I also think they're going to have to have some style points along the way. I think they're going to have to beat um, some other relevant teams. Uh, so, you know, just say just for if you say Arizona State's going to be in the discussion, you know, if they beat USC in week one, they're going to need the US. They're going to need for USC to continue to be good throughout the rest of those six games. You know, they're going to need Utah probably to be good. You know, they're not going to be able to, you know, just kind of coast. They, they need it's, the, it's a conference wide thing and they're going to need uh, a lot of teams to play well and you're going to need to play well at the right times. You know, Doug, I have a theory. I don't know what you think about it, but something that could help the Pac-12, I think more eyeballs are going to be focused on the league this year because in the first six weeks, every conference game will be televised nationally by either Fox, ABC, or ESPN. No games, unbelievably, will be on the Pac-12 conference's own television network in the first six games or the first six weeks. Yeah, and I know that's disappointing probably to some fans. Um, I'm being sarcastic there, but yeah. <laughs> to, to approximately no fans. <laughs> the Pac-12, uh, you know, they had to satisfy their their contractual obligations with with ABC and ESPN and, and Fox, so it kind of worked out that way. And it's it it's also benefits them financially to be on the major networks in, instead of their own. So that makes sense. But you know, and I've heard some people, not a lot. I think most people are in favor of the 9 a.m. kickoff to start the season. Um, I think it's a move the Pac-12 had to make, you know, to get that that time slot, you know, to be a national televised game on a major network, you know, given the circumstances that everyone has a head start, you need that exposure right off the bat. And I love that it's a big game right off the bat. Maybe coaches don't, but uh, I think it's I think it's what the Pac-12 needs. It needs to come out with a with a pretty powerful punch, you know. And I've been told Tim they haven't announced the the start time, the kickoff times for the other games yet. 
but I've been told to, to expect some some other you know times that we haven't we're not used to seeing. Um, you know, so that that'll be a good thing too. I think it, it was a, with an abbreviated season, a different season. You know, let, let's let's try some different things. Let's see what works and what doesn't. Uh, you know, because you know everything can reset next year if it doesn't work out well. But why not? Why not experiment? Indeed, think outside the box. And boy, you talk about uh, a powerful punch. How about the first two weeks? Not only USC in week one, but in week two, the Sun Devils in their home opener will play a Cal team that's picked to finish second in the Pac-12 North. And I happen to think they can give Oregon a run for their money in the North Division. I agree with you. I think Arizona State's first, their two toughest games are right off the bat, week one, week two. And I say that, uh, I'll probably end up kicking myself because I always underestimate Utah. (laughs) In basketball and football, I always underestimate uh, Utah and, you know, Kyle Whittingham. You know, they won the last two division championships in the South. Uh, they lost a lot, but I expect them. Probably, I mean, their their culture is set, their their program is set. They're they're on solid footing there, so I expect them to be difficult. But no, I agree with you. If I had to rank the the difficulty or the opponents in terms of difficulty, I would go USC, Cal, and then Utah, just slightly behind Cal. I think you know Cal, even though they did lose, you know Evan Weaver, their great linebacker, uh, they have some interesting pieces coming back, and I think Justin Wilcox is one of the better coaches in the Pac-12. In fact, I read on one of the preseason magazines, another Pac-12 coach in Sizing Up Cal said that this is their window of opportunity because you don't know how much longer Wilcox is going to be there because he's going to get mentioned for all the big jobs that come open. I agree with you. He's done a marvelous job, particularly with that defense at Cal. Of course, it's going to be really different this year, Doug. Uh, There's going to be, I think, sizable TV audiences for Pac-12 football with all the games being televised nationally, but no fans in the stands. What do you sense that will be like? We've seen it in other sports, but these will be the first that we have covered in person, and it's, it's, it's going to be compelling, isn't it? Yeah, I, I helped out on the Cardinals for for uh, the first few weeks while the, the Patch 12 was on hold, so I was out there for their home opener in Glendale. Tim, it's really strange. <laughs> it is really strange. It's like you're watching a team scrimmage. You know, you're, you're used to kind of reacting. You know, what, what you do, I mean, obviously we're focused on what's going on, but, you know, sometimes there's a fumble and sometimes you're not aware of it until the crowd, you know, makes you aware of it. Um, and you do, you just don't have that. You just, you don't know until you see someone come up with a ball and it just seems like very, it's very, very surreal. Um, and, and, you know, Herm Edwards brought up the point that this pretty much eliminates home field advantage. I don't know if it eliminates it entirely, but I do think it really levels the playing field as far as that goes because, you know, there's just not going to be, you know, 40,000, 50,000 fans behind the home team. And, you know, that does have to have some sort of effect. And the other way that this pandemic is affecting, it's affecting people like you and me in the way that we will be covering the football team. And, uh, you know, it, I think I don't think I'm letting the cat out of the bag. The Sun Devil Radio Network, as of now, will not be traveling to any road games except perhaps the Arizona game in Tucson. We're going to be broadcasting road games from home. Talk about how it's going to influence you doing your job in terms of getting those post-practice interviews during the week and and being able to observe practices, which likely will be closed throughout this month. Yeah, well, as to start, as you know, Tim, Arizona State is incredibly accommodating uh, to its media. Yes. And you know, during the season, uh, they don't normally let us watch the entire practice, but 
they let us watch the first 20 or 30 minutes. And that time, especially early in the season, is invaluable because you get to see, you know, how the depth chart kind of stacks up. You know, who's what freshmen are on the field. Um, you know, just how the defense shapes, you know, looks, you know, from the we have a pretty good idea about how the back end is going to look, but what about the front seven? What about the defensive line? Um, we're not going to have that <laughs> this time around. Uh, our practices are completely closed for obvious reasons. I mean, they don't want outsiders, you know, coming around their players. There's too much at stake for them. Uh, you know, and then, you know, and all the interviews will be done by zoom. Um, and I've been through that a lot with the Cardinals already. And, it's it's not it's not ideal. <laughs> it's not as, as reporters you want to kind of make a connection and you know go different directions. And when you're on there with you know 15, 20 other people, you know you you can't do that. You can't do that. You don't have an opportunity very often to ask follow up questions. So um, gonna have to just try to figure a way around it, um, which you know is possible. Uh, but that's the world we live in right now. Everyone's having to make adjustments, and we'll do the same. In this period of time, Doug, I think to uh, the favorite phrase of my longtime broadcast partner, Jeff Van Raphorst, from his playing days, he always says, partner, keep your knees bent, which means be flexible and be ready to react to anything that may happen because that has now become our new normal. Say, fans, purchase one Coors Light 12-pack or larger or one Coors Seltzer 12-pack and any 7.7-ounce bag of Circle K Favorites chips at your local Arizona Circle K. Then text HOMEGATE to 313-313 with register receipt to enter to win a grand prize Coors Light RV HOMEGATE experience, as well as other prizes. Visit your local Circle K to get all the details. Still more to come on our hour-long edition of the Maroon Monsoon. With the Sun Devils set to begin preseason practices tomorrow morning, Doug and I will preview Coach Herm Edwards' 2020 Arizona State football team. But first, let's take a timeout on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon. Now back to our host, Tim Healy. Hey, Sun Devil fans, join us between November 6th through the 8th to chase down football season with the inaugural Sparkies Race to Kickoff Virtual 5K and Fun Run. Visit thesundevil.com backslash virtual 5K to register. We continue now on the Maroon Monsoon, the Sun Devil Radio Network's new Thursday night program this fall that highlights Arizona State athletics. I'm Tim Healy, your host, and ASU ice hockey coach Greg Powers will drop by for a visit later on this evening. But right now we continue our ASU football conversation with 2019 Arizona Sports Writer of the Year, Doug Holler, the Sun Devil football and men's basketball beat writer for the subscription-based sports website, The Athletic. The Sun Devils at long last hit the practice field, 9.45 tomorrow morning, first of their approximately 20 preseason practice sessions leading up to the November 7th season opener at USC, a game that will match the team's pick to finish 1-2 in the Pac-12 South in the annual preseason media poll. USC picked first, Arizona State second. And Doug, as uh, practices begin tomorrow, what, in your opinion, are some of the more intriguing storylines that you'll be keeping an eye on in what truly will be a fall camp of football? <laughs> well, I mean, I think going into spring, back before all this happened, you know, the receiver position was really one uh, to watch because you had you lost Brandon Ayuk, you lost Kyle Williams, Frank Darby. I think you can pretty much write him in and ink. He's, he's not going anywhere. But what do they do beyond that? After that, there's a lot of inexperience. You had some guys play last year's true freshman, and now you have some guys coming up 
who are going to be pushing those guys. So that would be one, you know, which, which, uh, what's the rotation look like there. The other is, you know, probably the offense and defensive lines, Tim, uh, you know, the offensive line was upgraded with the two graduate transfers, Kellen Deesh from Texas A&M and Henry Haddis from Stanford. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen those guys. Have you seen those guys? Not in person. Henry and no. Yeah, they, they look like NFL linemen. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They have the size, but they, they haven't played a whole lot. And then, you know, Kellen's a backup for his whole career. So what can they bring? And then how much have those young guys that played last year, like Donovan West and Ladarius uh, Henderson, how much have they improved? That That's really something that I think uh, – will be interesting. That's going to be something that might be tested right off the bat. And let's not forget the top three running backs on the Sun Devils preseason depth chart are a true freshman, a true freshman, and a first-year junior college transfer. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, because it's so easy to forget. I mean, when you when you look at the offense, I mean, an offense in the preseason is always judged by who you got coming back at quarterback. Well, Arizona State checks that box emphatically with Jaden Daniels. Um, and, and they do have, I mean, the, the guys that they brought in, Daniel Nagata and Diamante Tradem, you know, four-star guys. And in the spring, they look legit. But Eno Benjamin, I mean, your history of the program is probably superior to mine, but I would put Eno as a top five back in ASU history. Is that an exaggeration, you think? I, I don't think so. I, I mean, it was two years, uh, maybe a slightly smaller sample size than some of the others in the past. But, uh, I mean, I was just a huge Eno fan, Doug. I loved the way he ran. He ran aggressively, violently, I thought, and, and could evade tackles like few I'd ever seen. And uh, just really, really enjoyed watching him. And he, his are big shoes to fill, no doubt. Yeah, and he was a closer. I mean, if you needed someone in the fourth quarter to kind of sustain a drive, to kind of, you know, grind out the clock, he could do that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the the, uh, the freshman or Rashad White, the junior college transfer, can, can, can you know, I don't. they're not going to be able to do it. But can they, as a committee, uh, and Zach Hill wants to play three backs, if they can maybe uh, replace Eno in some way like that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the receivers. We should pass along some breaking news out of the program. Uh, the Sun Devils have had their first uh, uh, significant player, I guess you could say, to opt out of the 2020 season due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Jordan uh, Curley, the, uh, the true sophomore wideout from Austin, Texas, who caught nine passes in uh, some part-time duty last year, has elected to opt out. And he, he had been a starter on my preseason depth chart, and uh, but I do think the Sun Devils, uh, they, they have bodies at the wide receiver position, but a lot of them, like Curly, are relatively young, untested bodies outside of Frank Darby. Yeah, he was definitely going to be someone who was going to be in the mix this year. Uh, no doubt about it, whether, you know, if he started or was just in the rotation. Um, Elijah Badger, another uh, freshman who was entering the program. Um, I think he was ranked as the number three athlete. Um, mm-hmm. by 24-7 sports, came in as a receiver, may end up on defense, but he's ineligible this year uh, for academic reasons. So down a little bit, but as you mentioned, uh, with Ricky Pearsall, with, you know, they still have Johnny Wilson, who is big six foot seven guy, LV Bunkley Shelton, the freshman who, you know, Herm Edwards yesterday are at the Pac-12 media uh, conference call, you know, just 
just gave him tremendous praise. And that's not something that Herm Edwards does a lot. He, he usually keeps that type of thing at a minimum, but he said he's been really fantastic in their workouts. Of course, as you said, having Jaden Daniels back at quarterback, uh, if, uh, you know, to my, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the Pac-12, a brilliant freshman season. Herm told us a couple weeks ago, Doug, he would like to see Jaden take more shots downfield this year. In what areas would you like to see him take that next level in his progression as an elite quarterback? Well, he certainly has the, the receiver to do it if he wants to take more shots with, with Frank Darby. Um, he, he, he probably should be a little bit more accurate. I mean, his completion percentage wasn't bad, um, but it, it could probably be better. Um you know, I, I kind of want to see what he can do with his legs. We saw just a uh, just a little bit of that last year, uh, and when he did escape and, re- and scramble and extend plays, um, you know, he kept his head up. He was looking to pass, but when he ran, uh, he was quick to get down. You know, what what would that look like um, if he, you know, he doesn't like to be labeled a dual threat quarterback, but he certainly has that ability. Um, I think that would be good. And you know, just what is he like as a leader? I mean, he's a sophomore now, and now it's his team, and you know. How can he do? I think that's a, you know, sometimes people think that's overrated. I don't think it is in football, not not at that position. I think that goes a long way. Um, and I saw it from Manny Wilkins. I thought that really rubbed off on the team. Let's see what Jaden Daniels can do in that regard. Great point, though, about Jaden and his legs. I would argue, Doug, that his legs helped produce three wins last year. I thought his fourth down run at Michigan State that led to the game-winning touchdown might, could arguably in some ways have been the play of the year for the Sun Devils. He won the Washington State game with his 17-yard run in the final minute. And he, if you recall, in that Friday night win at Cal in late September, his running was, I think, a key factor in the Sun Devils being able to rally for a win there. Well, you, you mentioned the, um, the Washington State game. That was one situation where he didn't slide. Remember, he pretty much just took the big hit and kind of spun around and got into the end zone, if I remember mm-hmm. that correctly. Yep. Uh, and then another play, if you remember the Florida State game in the Sun Bowl, on that two-point conversion where I, I think it's been on social media uh, <laughs> quite often, you know, when he has four or five guys around him and he still is strong enough to get into the end zone. Uh, I remember writing last year before they named him the starting quarterback, I didn't think he was going to be big enough, you know, because he, he, I mean, he really is skinny um, to play, to, to win that starting position. Obviously, I was very, very wrong. Uh, he, I don't think he's ever going to be a big guy, but, you know, they list him now, I think, at 185. So, he, you know, it seems like he's maybe more built, more prepared to kind of maybe run and, you know, take some of those hits. But uh, it will be interesting to see because that, that's such a dangerous weapon, a, a quarterback who can run like that and open up the field. Can the defense be the strength of this team? And will the secondary be the strength of this defense in 2020? I say yes to both, Tim. Um you know, what is it, eight starters returning uh, for the most part? Um, 22 gave up 22 points a game last year. If you think about where this defense was, you know, three or four years ago, uh, that's a remarkable what Danny Gonzalez did to really get uh, Arizona State's defense back to a respectable level. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, and that, it, I think the defense needs to be the strength of the team. With, with, with you mentioned the young playmakers in the backfield, on the offensive backfield, and the receiver. You know, you have that core of players on defense who have started since they were freshmen. Jermaine Lole up front, uh, the linebackers, Darren Merlin Robertson, and then the safety is Shari Crosswell. This is their time. You know, the learning is over. You know, 
they learned by fire the freshman year. They grew a little bit as sophomores. Now it's their time to become one of the better defenses in the Pac-12. Uh, they've seen it all. Now they got to do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the defense could could play well. And I think the secondary, you know, how often do you have a four-year starter at corner or in any position? But Chase Lucas is a four-year starter. Um, I don't think he gets as much credit as he as he deserves locally. I'm not sure why that is. But I've always, I think Chase is a very solid Pac-12 cornerback. Um, and I think he'll have a very solid year. I mean, people always kind of judge players on what they can do in the NFL. Well, let's just judge them on what they do now. And I think Chase has been very solid. And then, and then you have on the other side, Jack Jones, who, you know, everybody knows his story and how he was a previously a five-star guy, went to USC. But last year he came in, didn't play, you know, had a year off uh, getting his kind of his life and his schoolwork in order. And he, he got better as the year went on. He was still pretty good. So what what does a year off, a, a year in the program uh, do for him this year? I, I think their corners are going to be really solid. And, you know, Crosswell and Evan Fields on the on the safeties, I think those are two kids, two guys that will be pretty good back there as well. And two good kickers, Michael Turk, the punter, number 11 in the nation. He returns after making himself eligible for the NFL draft. Christians and Dejas, 23 of 27 in field goals, including a Sun Bowl record, four of them in the 20-14 to 14 win New Year's Eve over Florida State. Before we let you go, Doug, do you have a prediction as to the final record, or is this season so truncated that it's going to be hard to make that kind of prediction? Uh, it is going to be hard. I'm terrible at predictions, but I do think playing the two California schools up front will be as good, it is as about as lucky as ASU could get with their draw on their schedule. I think they'll win both of those games. I'm not – convinced that they're good enough to run the table, Tim. Uh, I still have some questions, as I mentioned, on the offensive line and, as you mentioned, in the backfield. But So I have them going 5-1. and one. I don't know which game they'll lose. Uh, I'd, if I had to guess, I would say Utah. But 5-1 um, and one is what I'm going with for right now. And hopefully 5-1 and one can get them into the uh, Pac-12 championship game on uh, December 18th. Always great insights from one of the top sports writers in this state. Doug, thanks for joining us tonight. I enjoy it, Tim. Thanks for having me.